What's going on, Misfits? I am so excited to be back. I know a bunch of you have been getting up in my comments, threatening me, talking about get your life together, where you been at. But I have to share with you, my faithful listeners who've stuck by me, I am currently in Los Angeles and I've been here for the past two and a half weeks. I came out here to work on a television show, writing. And the day before I was supposed to go back home to New York City, I got offered a second writing job. So I will be in Los Angeles for the next two months. Mind you, I only have two weeks worth of clothes. But yes, I'm going to get my first couple checks and buy me some underwear. So don't worry, I'm not going to have y'all looking crazy in these streets. So with that said, I've been hella busy. Look at me saying hella. <laughs> I watch a lot of Insecure. I've been busy, which is why the podcast have been slowing up. But I am back. I'm determined. I've been interviewing so many great people out here in Los Angeles. Like this week's guest actor, Malcolm Barrett, who also happens to be one of my kindergarten classmates. Yes, that's right. I've known this man for so many years. I'm so proud of his success in Hollywood. You may not know his name, but you soon will. He is one of the stars of NBC's Timeless. He is also on the second season of AMC's Preacher. You may have seen his face on Dear White People and We the People's and American Violent, and so many more. He is breaking down what it means to be successful in Hollywood, what it means to go broke after you've already been on television, how he almost became the face of fried chicken, and why you need to stand up for yourself when it counts and know how to say no and mean it. This is an amazing episode. I had so much fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. You're listening to Social Misfit. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Social Misfit with me, your host, Chloe Hilliard. Yay! Coming to you live from Los Angeles. And this week's guest, please welcome to the show, my old friend. Back, back in the day. Malcolm Barrett. Ah, oh, yeah. This is where the studio audience comes in. This is where the studio, uh, if you don't know who Malcolm Barrett is, he is an amazing actor. He yeah. is the star, co-star, how do you say, what's the? I think uh, star. <laughs> Star the of, star. The star of NBC's Timeless, which was uh, canceled and resurrected. Yes. Like the Jesus body himself. This is, uh, I'm, this is yes, I was on Timeless. It was canceled, uh, which I, I was only so worried about because I, I wound up doing Preacher at the same time. Uh, and he's also on Preacher's second yeah, I didn't season wanna, Preacher. Yeah, I didn't want to name drop. But no, I'm you also, got a name drop. I'm also on it Preacher. It makes me look good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all this stuff. Uh, yeah, I was on a, or I am on Timeless, which I think starts shooting again in November. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we had all gotten the uh, call that the show was canceled and the producers and people were surprised. And, you know, I'm, I'm always a pessimist. So I'm always kind of like, unless it's a completely sure thing from the beginning, it's, you know, I you assume it's canceled. cannot live in Hollywood for what, 10 plus years and be a pessimist like this. I can, I can. You know what? It keeps it keeps me from dying inside. It keeps me for when I actually get the negative news. Like the very first show I did was a show called Louis. Way before uh, Louis C.K. had his show, uh, this was with Luis Guzman, whose name you may not know, oh, but yes, you've seen yes, him in yes, everything. Yes, yes. He's the Spanish guy. Heavy set. Yeah, like yeah. He's the, from that uh, Spanish guy. Yeah, yeah. He's from the Lower East Side, actually. Um, but I was on his show back in the day in 2003, and I remember getting a call because um, a dude he had gotten um, fired from our show. 
Um, and this was actually the second person who had gotten fired because we had gotten, they had let loose uh, Mike McMillan, who did, who's excellent. You've seen him in True Blood. He's a genius. Like, co-wrote a pilot with him at one point. Um, but he had been let go. And then a couple episodes into the show, uh, the other guy, Wes, was let go. And they called me on a Saturday to be like, hey, um, I'm calling you. I hope everything's okay to let you know that Wes is uh, being let go. And I went, do I still have a job? <laughs> they were like, yeah. I was like, okay. So, like, it's the weekend. Why are you calling me? <laughs> Damn! Like, I was just like, why? Yeah, why are they telling you? No, they got to tell everybody because when oh. you show up on Monday and there's a person who's right. not there, it'll be a little weird, Damn. a little awkward. Like, <laughs> guy that's playing your friend is not there. Yeah, and then you're like, hey, where did he go? Like, yeah, what happened to Megan? You look know. different. What yeah. happened? No, it's Russ now. I don't know. So Malcolm and I go way, way back. Um, just a little history. Malcolm and I attended the same elementary school from. Did you start at kindergarten? Uh, yes. From kindergarten. And we went to and, fourth and let's, grade. Let's get this right. We went to advanced uh, elementary school. We, we did were, go. We went to. We were in uh, what they called ET, which stood for exceptionally talented. That's what it stood for. Did you not know? I that? did not know this it's entire for time. Exceptionally talented. <laughs> So we were in that joint since like kindergarten, first grade. Kindergarten or like that. from kindergarten at PS eleven in mm. Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, which is now like one of the top elementary schools. People are like slitting their throat to get their kids is into it? now. Yes, because it's so gentrified. So you know, <laughs> now it's like the it school, state yeah. of the art elementary school. They've expanded now to a junior high school with the same philosophy of like whatever they push now. Yeah, um, uh, keep the uh, dumb ghetto kids over here. Pretty the smart much ghetto kids over here. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, there's really no that many ghetto kids there anymore. It's just all the whole neighborhood has changed around the neighborhood. Oh, area. wow. That's yeah. crazy. Um, so we went there from kindergarten to fourth grade, um, during which I was kicked out of the school. Were you? I was kicked out. For what? Fights? Well. <laughs> you could have been kicked out for fights because everybody had fights everybody in Everybody had school. fights in the school. But I got kicked out after the big riot with, oh, fifth grade. It was fifth grade. Oh, was that with Miss McKinney Sher- No, Miss Sherman. I yeah, was absent McKin- that day. I was you so was pissed. Absent- I was so pissed. Yo, yo I heard man. about this fight for de- forever, yo. There was fights all the time, but this was like the massive one where everybody like got at like we- the vice principal or yeah, some shit yes. like that. See, this mm-hmm. is why we couldn't exist today because <laughs> they are arresting 11-year-olds in class but for th- throwing a punch. But this is the way. We were the smartest kids in the school. We were the smartest kids in the school, and we definitely rioted on our like vice we, But principal. that's the difference, though. We didn't fight with each other. We, we riled up against the against the system the and they should have never told us the smart kids no shit like that it's their fault because they taught us about nelson mandela they taught us about martin luther king we went to see mandela when he was free i remember he, i remember i sat Bed-Stuy. next to nick Rowe and we sang uh we made up little free mandela songs yeah um why did y'all why did this fight happen okay that's what i want to so, know because I, I don't remember it's the fifth grade and we had miss sherman who after miss jones miss jones was our first black teacher she was great she was the best she teacher was ever. the best teacher ever i mean like she was a, a motherly black woman her hair was always disheveled she had glasses bit, always right? on the bridge of her nose she was stern but fair she- and nice and if you needed help i needed help with math all the time so she would like let me sit by her table and just go through yeah, very she, patient she was like a nice. teacher from the wonder years or yes, something like that miss jones mrs jones and she lived in the neighborhood so we would see her right because you look like a block behind the school so she was out for i mean you gotta understand from kindergarten first second third grade we only had white jewish female teachers she i can was, tell you everything there was uh miss banks for kindergarten she yep. was great uh miss epstein for first mm-hmm. grade miss uh Warren, per, 
Miss Parentoni. Miss Parentoni for second. second. Ms. Weinstein for third grade. Miss Jones mm-hmm. for fourth. Miss Sherman for fifth grade. Mr. Pollock for sixth. Yeah, I got kicked out before sixth grade. Gotcha. So, so you're not familiar with Mr. Pollock. <laughs> no, I never had Mr. Pollock. Okay. He was a gay black guy. He was a white straight man, but oh. Mr. Petrus was the gay black guy from junior high. Oh, okay, 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 He was okay. my other great teacher. You know what? My greatest teachers were definitely teachers of color. It was oh. definitely Mr. Petrus and Miss Jones. I was, my greatest teachers were uh, black women and, and a gay white man. Those are my nice, greatest nice. teachers, yeah. Diversity counts. Um, it does, because the other ones treat you like shit. Yeah. At some point, they get mad at you. You're like, you ain't shit. You're going to get arrested. You're like, what the fuck? What happened? <laughs> what happened? I am going to get arrested now if you're the one on the corner. Yeah, we are very grateful we didn't uh, grow up in a police state because basically give you the short version of the story before we get into your social media post is um this was around the time when the whole black movement was happening in brooklyn right this was like self-destruction days this was you know people yusuf hawkins rioting crown heights everything it was like a race underbelly turmoil in brooklyn every six years i know it is it is it is definitely (laughs) this was the time when there was racial strife not like today (laughs) not like today this is different (laughs) this is a small small glimmer of it and what happened was justin grant i remember justin grant yeah shout out to justin i still see him on social media just justin grant and another boy who wore glasses and he was a little nerdy or osea bryant and I don't think it was either one of them. Okay. I know those guys, but it was this other guy. He didn't. He wasn't with us from the beginning. But I just know Justin and another boy got into a fight. I don't know what, but it was a for real fight. Like they they got up and desks were moved, and everybody was like, "Oh snap!" And they fighting. And Miss Sherman took the yardstick. No. Yes, the yardstick that always See? stayed in the bottom of the chalkboard where the chalk is because you would use that. it to make lines. You know, but kids don't know nothing about no chalkboard. And she took the yardstick and bopped them on top of their heads. No. Yes. And everybody was like, hold up. No, you didn't. And then everybody turned on her. Everybody in the class was like, you don't. They stopped fighting. They was like, bitch, did you just hit us? (laughs) Like everybody stopped and we went mayhem on her. Like, you don't hit us. You racist. You know, Antazaki, you racist. (laughs) Antazaki was our cultural leader. We were cool nerds. I wasn't cool, but it was mostly cool nerds who were super competitive. I just remember you doing shit and running away. You always (laughs) did shit and then ran away so fast. We'd be like, what did he do? I don't know. He just told me ran away. Wiry. I was very very wiry. (laughs) Our school was for real African-American. Like we were the Huxtable kids. Like when I explained elementary school, I was like, it was just like going to school with the Huxtable kids. Like people's parents were very affluent, like working middle class. Everybody was just like American kids. I loved our elementary school. It was great. We, I, we had, I mean, I, it's, I mean, I say it was great in retrospect. I was definitely bullied. I had no friends. You I can was, confirm that. I, I would. You can confirm. Don't act like you, you can. Didn't, you didn't. I don't remember you having a lot of friends. I didn't have any friends, Malcolm. <laughs> I had friends in ways. It was like okay, I guess like the cycle had like shifted. Like oh, okay, this quarter we'll be friends with Chloe, and yeah, then they stopped being like friends with me. I feel like <laughs> I unnecessarily didn't like you for like a period at some. I didn't really have that many problems with boys. I just had problems with all the girls. The girls didn't like me because I was a social misfit, which is a part of what this. And podcast you brought is about. it full together. I feel like I remember you just being super tall. Yeah. 
and looking back, I was like, that must have fucking sucked. Like, yeah, to be I've like, because you were like the tallest girl. Yeah, I've, and I remember mm-hmm. that being like a thing. Like, I, I was, I was, I was young, this is the thing. I was the youngest and the tallest. Oh, that's horrible. Because I started school at four. My birthday is the end of December. That's horrible. So that was like a big deal back in the day. It's a huge when, like, when you're, deal. Like, one year younger. That was like the hugest. Yeah, deal. That, and oh. it wasn't like I wasn't necessarily a full year, but I was like, if someone was grow, born in January, to me, that's the year, and we're in mm. the same class. So I wasn't, I wasn't. Um, culturally savvy like i just didn't like i was gullible i was young i was naive if you told me something i was like oh that's what it is like i just didn't see i was always on the line like i was always like out of these like hood nerds i was always like still like uh, malcolm's like a little something like he can hang yeah and then every once in a while i feel like like because i was in a group of like nick and justin mm-hmm. and al whatever and then i feel like sometimes i was the guy I picked on and then sometimes it was like it was just like i was the cool kid for like a little well, bit because i feel al like would I, protect you because i protect and also like because i had a couple fights do you know what i mean like you had to have a couple fights only do you know what fight i mean in elementary school. i had nothing but fights during elementary and i always used jokes you know because i was yeah. always a weird kid but i always used do you jokes. consider yourself to be weird as a kid i was definitely a weird kid like i remember specifically saying to i think leah shea do you remember mm-hmm. Leah Shea? I remember specifically during lunch being like, am I weird? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I never thought of you as weird. I thought of you as Probably because you like, was a weirdo. I was yeah, weird. Yeah, what did you think? I have I no idea. I was weird, but I was quite, I was, I was weird because I just didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like, I didn't grow up around black kids. I didn't know, like, the sneakers and the clothes. So my mother mm-hmm. dressed me. I was See, and I was poor, too. So I, like, never had the cool clothes. Yeah, that but you thing. were poor, but every, but nobody made fun of you. And I'm not yes, saying... Yes, I did. I'm not saying you were poor. Like, I was... I probably was one of the poor kids in my class, too. My uh, mother hid it well because she just dressed me in Jewish clothes. So that's <laughs> why I didn't get name brand. Because she was like, no, 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 no. You're going to wear this. No, wait. What was your impression of me in elementary school i didn't think you were poor until like i think something happened and like somebody made fun of like your book bag or some shit and i was just like oh okay and then i just didn't i didn't hold it against you Mm because i was like on a low my family ain't nowhere near as rich Mm -hmm. as the people's kids because you know we went to school and these kids parents you know every day was every year was career day and like my dad's a scientist my dad's a psychiatrist my mom's a doctor and i'm like my mom works at bloomingdale's and my dad is a chef so like mm-hmm. <laughs> i just knew what it was i just knew that i was definitely towards the lower end of like the economic ladder in our class but i was fine with it because i was like we all in the same class so i guess i must be doing okay yeah, you're doing all right yeah yeah we're fine yeah. <laughs> are you ready to read your social media posts you know i, I go on uh i didn't realize Here's the thing about Twitter and social media and all that sort of stuff. So before I did Timeless, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're you're always trying to set up your own identity and your brand, and so like very hard. So like before I did it, it was like I said like wild crazy shit, like and but still fun stuff. But like you don't really get noticed, and it's the type of shit where you like. You see, like, a Ryan Reynolds get noticed for, like, a quippy little thing. You're Mm -hmm. like, oh, like, why am I not? I said some dope shit. I've been doing that shit for years. August 2014. And then it's funny because after the thing... I'm still able to, like, be weird about it, like, and be, like, subversive and weird and whatever. But it's funny because someone was like, oh, and then you go on your little Twitter rants. And I was like, do I? I was like, I don't know if I, do, do I go a little rant? I wouldn't have put it as, really? I, guess, I was like, well, maybe one or two times. Yeah, you got to realize that when you are exposed to a mainstream audience, anything that you say that counters their ideology is a rant. 
It's true. It if doesn't you, matter if it's like if you're angry. You know what? About That's something. very smart. If you if you do like three tweets in a row of mm-hmm. something that someone doesn't agree with, yeah. you've definitely done a rant. Yes. <laughs> but this is a good one though. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so here's a surprise I couldn't talk about. Here I am in the infamous Hall H making a surprise appearance with the Grail. Discussing my character of Hoover on Preacher with Chris Hardwick. Anyone who knows me knows how much I was fanning out and to be on the same stage I've watched from the audience and seen clips on YouTube while sitting in my room in my underwear knows how much of an amazing moment this is for me. I am so very thankful and filled with love. So let's take a listen to the video, which you just wrote this uh, caption for. I was here like three years ago without a show, just as a guy walking around. So this is different. (laughs) But this is inspiring. Anyone, you could, you could be out there just walking around, and then a couple years later, you could be up here in all age. Yeah, it's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so tell us about this moment. You're at the world-famous Comic-Con, the, the biggest one. It's San Diego, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The original? Is mm-hmm. that the original? I don't know. So what happened? You made it. You made it. <laughs> um, Malcolm has been on countless television shows. I've made, I've made, I've been on TV most of my professional career. No show has gone past 26 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Better Off Ted was the only, was the first show I ever got that went past a season. Probably the first show I got that went a full season, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and then Timeless is the second show of mine to like go a second season. And you've been in Hollywood for what, over like 12, 14 years? The job, when I did Louis, that was 2003. Okay. And then I was working all during college. I was doing like Law and Order and mm-hmm. Sopranos. And New York. And we also, yeah, we also went to college together too. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing that and then I moved. I I was in and out of college because I was also doing theater. I like, one time I went on tour with mm-hmm. Wit, then I came back, then scholarship ran on money, then I came back, then something else happened. I was just always leaving yeah. and coming back to school. Um, and I didn't, they didn't like you to um, to perform outside of uh, school. Really? Yeah. They, really? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. It like wasn't allowed. So like it never got me any credit and it always like held me back in uh. terms of like the years I was in school. Uh-huh. So I'd be on this weird track and I was doing directing. So like that's why I ultimately like just left and why. Yeah. That's why I think a lot of people wound up leaving. Like a lot of successful cats leave because they don't really foster working at the same time. That's so weird to me. Yeah, so you wind up because they don't want you leaving class or whatever. Because I, you know, I'd be gone from class for like a couple days because I'm shooting Law and Order. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they're like, but yeah. So the Comic Con moment was a crazy moment because I am a huge nerd. I played a lot of nerds. I play uh, a programmer on um, Timeless, and I played a, a genius scientist on on um, Better Off Ted. I think I get a lot of these roles because I was like a smart kid, so I can mm-hmm. just say these words really easily. Um, <laughs> and so that was a big moment because. About two years prior, I had gone to Comic Con just as a fan, and then, and then coming back there, and I did I did three panels that that time. I did one on um, the changing face of diversity and um, the changing face of like nerddom and, and comic mm-hmm. books and, and all that just stuff. And I did Timeless and I did Preacher, and and I had just met Chris Hardwick like the night before at an AMC event, and like had fanned out with him and told him the story because he was he used to host this thing called like Shipmates. This like horrible like UPN or WB or whatever channel it was. Oh at the yes, time. yes, yes, I remember that. Um and I remember him he had the greatest line ever. This is like years ago. It's probably like ninety something. It's so random to have this memory. But um where he goes, um at the end of the show he'd always add a button and he went, uh, my name is Chris Hardwick and my career really should be farther along than this. <laughs> now, and this is this and this was after he did um um singled out. 
Oh wow! That's oh, why. Wow. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. It was, that's why it was even crazier line because it was like, no, it should be. I yeah. was like, oh, that's hilarious. Um, and look how far he'd come. And yeah. Then, like, he's you know, married parallel. to like a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's then, like, like a gazillionaire. And he's like the nerd culture nerdist and podcasts and all these things. And so he was able to like set me up with like a couple like really easy and like nice questions, and he knew one or two things, and it and it helped. And you know, it was like really cool to be on this cool show. And it was interesting because I don't think preacher, I don't think they really knew timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they are like, and I sort of play low key. I play my part on that show. I'm not a lead on their show. You know, I'm yeah. supporting. I'm exactly mm-hmm. that. Um, so it was, I think it was funny because they were like, "What's happening?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, man, I'm I'm doing this and blah blah blah." I was like, "Yeah, I'm here." Because Chris was like, "So your Comic Con is kind of your thing, right? You're always here." And I think they were like, "What?" <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I think so. I think there was like a little bit of like, "Oh shit, I don't know," because they don't fucking they don't yeah. watch my show. I didn't, yeah. you know, they're not even on like social media. Do you know what I mean? Really, like, people on preacher? Yeah, like. uh Ruth and Dominic, they're like not really. I mean, they're on it, but like, I don't think they like update yeah. it at all. Yeah. Like, they don't give a fuck, <laughs> you know? So. <laughs> so you have this experience. Now you go from. In, so, do you. Has anybody called you an overnight success yet? Has that happened? No. I don't think. I don't think anyone calls me an overnight success because anyone who knows me, what I am knows things that like have existed for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, they're not like it. They're like, yo, I know you from this thing, mm-hmm. from this or that. So they're like, they're kind of like, because the people who know me now, like my new fans are like white families from, from doing Timeless. I mean, probably fam- actually families in general. Yeah. But definitely like this is a new fan base for me. Is like, yeah. Like, so how does that, how does it impact you when it comes to your, like you talk about your social media persona? Do you keep them in mind at all? Or you're just like, I'm going to say what I want to say and then. I mean, I always have an air of, like, I know what I'm doing. Like, I definitely shoot for a type of personality to present myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what I'm doing even when I say crazy shit. Yeah. You know? And I've never gotten chastised, so I kind of know did you, what I can did do. Did you go back and delete any tweets before you no, got No, I'm never going to delete anything. No, you're never going to delete ever? No, no, I've never deleted anything. I think I once put a piece of inf- correct information, and then I, like, replied back. Like, I was like, this is wrong, but I'm leaving it because, like, so you know I was wrong, but then I wound up deleting it because people were re- repeat retweeting it like oh, it was like correct. It was correct yeah. So I was like, no, nah, I just have to because mm-hmm. I was like, it's still getting like fucking retweets. So yeah, I, like, I gotta take this fucking shit down as best I can. Um, but like, I think probably the craziest shit that I remember saying is somebody said something like, I think there's two really wild things I said. Somebody said something about um, they were like, why it's uh he's the waste of space white guy on the show, and I was like, I was like, I was like, why it is an American hero. Uh, suck a dick till your throat's dry. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> and I think I said some, and then I got up people because every once in a while you say something about healthcare and then they get racist. Yeah. <laughs> because so. that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you're in this platform, people, okay, racist white people will like you, but definitely disassociate you from your race. Yes. So they feel like they can say things to you, around you. And know. and that you're not going to respond as a black person first. I, I, you know, well, it's interesting because, like I said, I'm very, I try to be smart about how I pick things. The, the character of Rufus is a guy who very much points out all of these things mm-hmm. that are crazy. So I think I'm very fortunate in that I have this subversive social media personality, this jokey one, this one that gets political. But the way that people know me already, which I think doesn't um, alienate my fan base, they know me through Rufus, which is yeah. this black guy who goes like, there's back no reason I should be going back in time. This yeah. shit's crazy. So I think having 
that be the intro to the general older white audience mm-hmm. or milk bread white audience makes it a little easier for them to see my opinions because I don't think it just NBC, reaffirms. I, yeah, it reaffirms yeah. thing, and I and I don't think NBC can step in and try and say something to me about how to handle race when you're on dealing with media, race when when we're dealing with race on a show yeah. and when we also have like two badass writers and like Sean Ryan and Eric Kripke who like they're themselves very irreverent. Mm-hmm. Like if you ever hear Eric Kripke talk at this thing, he does not give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like you know what I mean? So I think the where we'd be hard pressed to be reined in. Yeah. In in that sort of respect. And they get you know, they've never sent, you know, no one's ever sent I, I think people get my humor for yeah. the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they get what I'm saying and, and I think people also know for the most part, people don't know on social media not to really come for me because it's going to be like really awkward for you. So how do you how do you manage being like the only person of color on I'm not the only person well, of color? No, no, I'm saying like the main like back in the day uh, when you first started out, it was like, oh, he's a black guy. Oh, in general. Yeah. Um, breaking out of that, breaking out of the sidekick to the main. Well, lead. It's, it's it's always, you know, it's a different thing trying to traverse race when you're the only person of that particular color Mm -hmm. Um, because it's one of those things where I think there's a certain opinion of folks that are like, don't think about it. Like you thinking about it is what's creating the issue. Yeah. And then there's another part where it's just like, no, it has nothing to do with me. Like you're trying to make it all things equal and Mm -hmm. all things aren't equal. We have different experiences. You know what I mean? And it's not ones that I'm sheerly creating. It's ones that are happening to me. And, you know, you suddenly have to represent you you know, all people because you get asked as though you yeah. represent all people, you yeah. know, not because you want to, and even not because you necessarily affiliate with the popular opinion of that. So, you know, I, I do my best to just be smart on sets mm-hmm. and, and build my power. Mm. Like that's, what does build your power mean? What does that, well, you know, a, like? a majority of the things I am, I am involved in, I, I try and look for ways to, to either to have an opinion on it in terms of like creating or ad libbing in that mm-hmm. way. And then I've also like, you know, been writing. And so like I'm co-directing with my friend Tina Wong, we're doing a show. And so I just can't, and excuse me, and just producing different things, um, shorts and things like that. So just trying to build my name inside the, the general commercial part of the game, which mm-hmm. is like the general TV shows I get mainly paid for and building a name and identity and a brand outside of that at the same time. Um, but you just have to be smart. I'm very, I, I picked the role. I, the greatest power I had in this business was saying no. I've said no. And people are afraid to, I love saying no. I've said I no. Love it. I've said no to a lot of money and to a, a lot of different parts because they didn't agree with my follow with what I thought would help me yeah. and what I thought would help the general public or community. I mean, like case in point, like I've, there's been plays where I thought like this, this shit is racist or pseudo something. And I didn't like it and didn't do it. Right. The greatest, the greatest money thing that I ever turned Uh down. Right. Um, is so you know those Popeyes things, those Popeyes commercial. Popeyes the chicken. Yeah, yeah, no, with the with the woman, with the woman, yes. with the with the main woman. Um, no shade, no shade, Nicki Minaj, no shade. Um, but those commercials started. So here, I I started those commercials, 
and the, oh yeah, this is how it started. I, lo- I love this is a great intro, right? Um, so this is what this is what happened. I was doing commercials whenever TV wasn't working right. I'll also tell you about how I like lost all my money. Um, whenever please, TV, please do. whenever you have art though, you have art. I have mad art. I have mad art. Always <laughs> in my place. There's nothing in here. Not because I don't have money, but because I don't buy anything. And there's nothing in here but comics, art, and like two beds. Yeah. So and we're <laughs> we're we're sitting in the, on the office bed right we're now. We're in the office bed. And before we start, he goes, oh, let me just jazz up the place. He says, bring it in art pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the, it's three pictures that are still wrapped in plastic. And he brought them in here. Like, let me just add some color you to know, the. <laughs> they're, they're, they're coffee table pieces or whatever. Right. We, we can no have conversation. Um, so this is what happened. So I, whenever TV was like, this is that whole thing about me being pessimistic or, or, or yeah. at least um, preparing myself. Um, whenever TV wasn't going right, whenever I, I got a series that like would get canceled or whatever was mm-hmm. happening, blah, 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 I would go back to doing commercials, right? Um, or I just use it like that was my hustle and, and it was great. Um, but I, I worked with this particular one who basically her rule was like you couldn't turn a commercial down unless you told her previously. This is an agent? That, that, uh, this was a commercial agent. Uh-huh. Um, unless you told her that you didn't want to do it. And I said a bunch of things. And then this Popeye's one comes out and it's like for chicken. I was like, did I not say I don't want to do chicken? So I like had to do it. Yeah. But it wasn't fried chicken. It was like the healthy something, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I didn't have to eat it. And it was done by the Trigger Happy TV people, mm-hmm. which meant like I was improvising. So it was mm-hmm. like three commercials done in one day where I would run into real people and be this pretend person and just fuck with them. Like all types of people. I'd be like, hello. I'd just sit there and just like be quiet mm-hmm. and like, and whatever. And they wanted to have like, the name tag say Malcolm. I was like, my character is not me. Put another name. Wait, on so me. you worked? You supposed to be a person that worked at Popeyes? I was Popeyes. I I had the thing, and and what? Oh, so this is what happened. The commercial. I could not do the commercial, and I wound up getting a, like they sent me in for callback. I don't know what it was, but I wound up. I had to do. I had to do it, and I was running late, so I like I couldn't even really gas my, like myself. Yeah. Because I was like also running late, so I was like whatever. And I read the script, and it said like, you know, we um you're gonna love this, like mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just gonna improvise. Like this is the stuff where it's like, how do you navigate being yeah. a black person? How do you navigate identity mm-hmm. and politics and that shit? It's shit like that. Yeah. Where you go, okay, I'll do this, but I'm not doing this mm-hmm thing, and it's improv. So I'm saying whatever I want. I am whatever the character yeah. is. So if if you don't like it, then you don't like what I did, yeah, and that, and I'm okay me. with that. Yeah, and I'm, a, you know what I mean. I'm okay with that in terms of them, and I'm okay with that as the audience. Do you yeah. know what I mean? As if an audience wants to see the work I did that that I created and go, I don't like that, then I go, okay, I, yeah. I died on my own terms. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what it was. And they were like, and my agent hit me and was like, look, you got the commercial. I was like, fuck, <laughs> right? Um, and they were like, here's the thing, they want you to be the franchise. Ooh, and I was no. like, they were like, so I was going to be like my face all over yeah, there. Yeah, you would be like the, um, and I was like, what's the name? Flo from. Yeah. And I was like, cause, and that was my thing is like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that stuff. I, when I got, when I got it for just the three, I wasn't sure I was going to do it. And I was telling my friend, I was like, you know, and I got like black, black friends, you know, like yeah. I'm black y'all. I'm yeah. blackity black. Yeah. And I'm like, should I do this shit? And like, mm, you know, and they're like, whatever. And then my one boy was like, you going to try and make me feel bad about you getting this money? <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. That's why I talked to multiple people yeah. to get perspective. Um, but my agent was like, was, um, it, was this at this time like the, one of your biggest paychecks at the, at that point? Um, it would have been a good paycheck. Oh, like, if you had taken the franchise? No, I well, I had taken the job For to the do the, the improv. This is this is what I'm about to say. So they, she goes, um, we, you, you can do it, but they want you to be um, franchise. I was like, I don't want to do the franchise. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't do that. 
And they were like, um, they were like, okay, they want you to be open to it. I was like, okay, I'm open to it. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I did the commercials. Then they were like, they want you to be the thing. Like, oh, and then they paid me $5,000 to go to Arizona and, like, improvise, talk to, like, their associates or whatever. Like, I'm, like, I'm fucking cracking on people. So, like, it was a really fun job. Yeah. Like, it was actually fun. It was just, like, if this wasn't fucking Popeyes, mm -hmm. like, because people aren't going to go, oh, that's the guy who did the healthy choice version no. of improv. They're going to be like, you the chicken nigga. Yeah. Um, so, so she goes, she goes, I do the commercials and then they, like, want to offer me the franchise. Um, and they go, um... She goes, they want to offer you the thing. I was like, I can't do it. They were like, please consider doing this. I was like, how much? I was like, for the sake of argument, how much money is it? And this was the time there was those sprint guys. There was four of those guys or something like that. Yes. Um, and she was like, they're clearing like, you know, six to seven figures a year. But that was the greatest moment for me because I knew I literally, they were like, would you sell chicken for a million dollars? Like, and you know, and like, it wasn't theoretical. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't a theoretical choice. It was like, would you sell this shit? And she's still doing those commercials to this day. She she can't do anything to this else. day. To There's this day, and she can do because I mean, she actually the woman who does flow is a comedian. Not flow. Why do you keep bringing up flow? I'm talking about flow. the Popeyes lady. Oh, I know, but I'm saying that flow is a comedian. <laughs> Why are you obsessed with flow? Because she um she can't do anything else. But the chicken lady, she can't do anything else either. I'm saying, but what's crazy is. You would have stood. That was then she, to now. She's, she's today. Still doing that it. shit was like, oh, something. Yeah, but you know what? Nobody knew who she was before, so it doesn't matter that she's a Popeyes lady. Well, I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like, if I saw you on TV selling chicken, I'd be like, this nigga was on Law and Order like <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Her name is Deirdre Henry, the national spokesperson for Popeyes. That's her. What name do I put on here? For her character? Oh, Annie. Her character's name is Annie? They never use it. But that's just what's on her name tag. They tried to put Malcolm on mine. I was like, no. Yeah, ain't nobody calling that lady Annie. <laughs> but I love how she act like she's making it. She's straight making it. She's paid. I know No, I'm saying paid. like her character's like, my chicken I make, this is my recipe. Like she made it. Yeah. Like she made it. Get but it's a character. I know, it's a character. But, but that was the crazy thing is like, it was a pseudo fight doing it, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do it because there was also some internal thing I was shooting, and I was like, unless I'm actually, the commercials would have been different if it was if I was still doing it because I think I I had a heavier improv thing that I was doing. Yeah. So I it wouldn't have been that, but if they would have made it into that, I was it's probably also why I quit. There's there's a bunch of reasons why. Why well, better that I didn't do that? Yeah, you, I'm very glad that you didn't do that. But that's why sometimes you got to say no. You got to say no before you get leads, locked into something. Which leads to the whole thing, which is no is one of your most powerful um, tools. Yes, yeah, I love saying no. You know, the art of no. Said no to a lot of things. Something else. What's something else you said no to? Um, plays. Nothing like as cool a story as that. <laughs> that's my best story. I have a question. I've just I've just said no to TV shows. So for all of you out there who may or may not follow me on Instagram, every once in a while I do this thing where I watch a independent film, most times black. I'll watch a black independent film and I will Insta story snap, click it, whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. as I watch it. And so last night I watched this movie, which I will not name. 
Um, if you, you won't, by the time this airs, you won't even know what it is. Cause I'm not trying to bash him because I believe that art is hard work. And I, I commend people who she do really it. She really hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever this movie was. Cause she's talking about fucking high concepts of art. It is a high concept of art, right? So. This was clearly meet the Browns. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was. Okay. So the first time I did this, I will just name the movie so people can watch it and see how terrible they are. The first time I did it, it was called. The Devil's Diamond, oh. and it was like a ten-year-old film that was shot in Atlanta, and it was, and it had a good premise. So this is the thing: when I watch these movies, when I go to select them, it's like I'm home tonight, and let me watch a movie, unwind, and just chill out. And I have intentions of hoping that the film is good. So I click it based on the summary, thinking that it's going to be a good summary. So listen to the summary. The summary is. A man buys an engagement ring for his fiance. It turns out that the engagement ring that he bought, he bought it from the devil's daughter. And the devil's daughter has first of her all, eyes. Listen, let me finish. First of all, the devil's daughter has her eyes set no on him. There's no part of this movie that sounds good. It sounded like a sci-fi thriller. That's what that sounds like yes. to you? No. Yes, you don't know. So? This sounds like a little girl wrote something at home <laughs> in her room. So the devil, um, she the has a daughter, she's a, okay. She has the, like a diamond in her eye. She sold <laughs> the devil's daughter sold an engagement ring to a man who gave it to his fiance, and after he got married to her, like just weird shit kept happening. And then, that sounds horrible. And then, but you got. But <laughs> <laughs> sounds and then and then horrible. and then and then for some reason there was a guy who made a rep- made a repair in their home, and when the husband wasn't there, and that guy ended up being the husband's brother that he didn't know he had, and that guy got killed, and he became the guardian angel of the fiance that got the devil's daughter's ring, and so the the the, and get, the dead brother ghost brother was telling the fiance, this is why your shit is fucked up because you need to like. Who was the star? Anthony Hamilton. There was no star <laughs> was the lead? in this. It was all <laughs> new faces, <laughs> and the shit was trash. Isaiah Whitlock was. <laughs> so that movie was terrible. So I was compelled to document how bad it was. So then last night I watched on Netflix this movie called Nola Circus, and Nola Circus. The summary says it's about two <laughs> warring barbershops who feud First with of each all, other. <laughs> two warring barbershops. That's not a other. sentence. That's not a correct sentence. This should no longer be words after two warring barbershops. <laughs> it should end with two warring barbershops. Fuck it, I'm in. Yes, yeah. I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. What let's give it a fuck? shot. Let's give it a shot. Isn't that the isn't that barbershop four? Listen. Yeah, that's like barbershop three and four. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna give it a shot because it looked good, right? No, it didn't, Chloe. And then in like four minutes, the first scene is like three KKK members coming out of a car, busting into a barbershop, what? and then it just got KKK members don't even know where barbershops are. It was so bad. The shit was so bad. There was a guy, his character, he was obsessed with pubic hairs, so he would cut and say pubic hairs. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> All black people, except the love interest was this white girl who was half black, but she was clearly white and and everybody was like running after trying to save her. So many levels to the shit. So the reason why I bring up how terrible these movies are, I call it niggas watching niggas unofficially. Lord Jesus. But I call it trademark. I, watch on Disney. <laughs> but for the sake of being PC, I just call it Chloe watches indie movies, whatever. But okay, really that niggas. probably will go over. I like niggas watching niggas though. I would I love do. to that make one, it a show. I don't know where you put that, but I could. I see. I it. would do it as a show. I would do it as a show. Anyway, don't steal my idea. So my thing is, I say I gave all of that backstory of these terrible ass movies to ask you this question: At what point on set do you realize that you are in a 
terrible fucking movie slash TV episode. You mostly know when you read the script. And then you say yes anyway? Okay, so there's probably... Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes you get there, you, you usually know by the time you reach your trailer. But <laughs> by, the, by the time you're in the trailer, something has not gone right. There's maybe something you didn't quite get and then like something's taking too long yeah, or whatever and you suddenly go like, oh. But you know what? That's what happened to me. You know what? I'm, I've never done anything where I was like, where I got there and thought like this was not, oh, yes, okay. I did uh, this one comedian show, um, and when when I got there, you know, I, I oh when I got there, the reason I had done the show was to work with this particular comedian. Mm-hmm. He did not show up, Mm-mm. and was replaced by a different comedian, who wasn't great at reading or knowing <laughs> the lines, I guess. <laughs> This is a scripted show. This was this a, is a series this was like, or a one-off. Like this was gonna be like a sketch. Show. Like it was essentially a sketch show. Uh huh. Um, and that's when I re- like when I got there and it was like, and you're oh, cause you're wait you're waiting like you're on set waiting for shit and you're like normally and you see the panic in people's faces. You, you see like talks. Yeah, a lot, a lot of lot a lot of walkie talkie like, 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 but they try and talk to you like is okay. Yeah, like you know. Hey, so 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 glad to have you. You know what? I knew I knew something was wrong because it was black. Because the production was black. The black. I only do a black production every once in a while. Yeah, like all the way black. Yeah, like all the way black. Yeah, yeah, because it was just it was just too it was just too black. You know what I mean? Mm. That's when you know something's up. Like, oh. But see, this is the you thing know. people don't realize, though, that is true. Like, I don't want to say that there can't be all black productions. I no, think there that can. there can be. I think the resources are, I think there's two things. It depends on who you work with and it depends on resources. Like, it's easy to say the black thing only because it's like, I don't think people like put stigmas on like bad indies. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I've definitely done like a mediocre indie. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think the thing with black productions is that you want it to go so well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You want it to go, and it's hard when it doesn't because you get the stigma. So how does the person whose show it is doesn't show up and gets replaced by another person? He wasn't replaced. He just didn't work that scene, oh. which was the only reason I flew Ooh. into wherever I oh, flew. As soon as and this episode this is over, you were telling me names. Like, I, was I like, want to know names. I was so, I was so, and I called my agents. I was like, this is why I don't do black shit, okay? I was fucking here. I came here. I'm doing this On fucking time. bullshit. Like, what the fuck, man? You know? And the bro- and the worst is when the brothers when the brothers was the director like like sixty years old with cornrows you know who's like Ooh, brother you know how they get I'm like once a motherfucker once a black dude says brother when they don't normally say brother you're like oh you're asking me to do some shit and mm-hmm. you're trying to use the black card mm-hmm. that's the only I hate the word black card but when a bro- when a brother goes brother mm-hmm. and then asks you to do some shit that you shouldn't yeah. be doing yep. that's yep. that's the fuck that you're like you know we all in this together we all in this together we trying to make something happen. You know what I'm saying? Just give us a little bit more of your time. You know what I mean? You know, be patient. Be patient. When they start saying be patient, you be like, oh, nigga, I ain't patient. <laughs> you ain't going to pay me on time, are you? You're not going to pay me at all on time. And it's going because of Harriet Tubman? Like, I don't understand yeah, right? the logic behind yeah. this. Why yeah. don't I get paid? Yep. The Frederick ancestors Douglas. are happy with us right now as we we don't need to get our checks on time. They already proud of us. These, you know, these devils. Uh, <laughs> you know, Yoruba would have us believe. What? Just pay me on time. 
Because that's what's fucked up. Because I put this, but speaking of when I went super broke, I used to sell toner over the phone, and it was so toner on the what? So toner over the phone. It was such a bullshit place. The name of the company. It said uh, printing place. So that wait, you got to give us some context. So so the the boss was a white crackhead. Dave Mike. This is in New York or in LA? This is in LA after me being on television. Okay, so what happened? How, how did you have your broke moment? You were on television. You were doing guest starring roles. You were getting high. This is after Better Off Ted? No. Okay. This is before Better Off Ted. The very first show I got was Louie, and then I got a couple guest stars. And like, so I've booked, I've booked the pilot every year I've been here, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I haven't necessarily like been on shows. And so the first, how the many first pi- have years. you kept account of how many pilots you've been on? I mean, if it's 2017, I've booked one every year, at least, you know, probably not including the years where the show is on. I mean, 14, probably, mm-hmm. you know, 12, yeah. 12 to 14, something. Um, screen tested crazy amounts of time. Um, but basically, after I had gotten, after Louis and after I had gotten maybe one or two guest stars, I had basically, you know, and I was going forth being an artist and being, doing whatever. I basically just paid off student loan and lent my mom money, mm-hmm. and then I was just broke. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't book, I hadn't booked, I had booked a pilot, but it was like, it wasn't supposed to, like we were waiting to find out until after a six month period. Ooh. It's like shit like that, you yeah, know what I mean? We're like waiting. No checks yeah, you're not, getting, you're not going to get paid, like you're about to be on TV probably, <laughs> but like you're not paid, like there's all these deals, you learn about this when you first get the TV. Um, but anyway, I was, I had no fucking money, and I wasn't doing TV, um, and I don't think I had a commercial agent at the time, um, so I was just broke and when this was New York that would have been fine because I would have just been a tutor because mm-hmm. um, that's what I did when, before I came to LA I was math tutor and all these things worked at Skill Center in Harlem and all this stuff um, but you can't do that without being part of uh, the unified school district in LA mm. um, and you have to like graduate college mm. and I didn't do any of that Yeah, but like uh, clearly I'm smart yeah. <laughs> like so I've, I've been that's how i made my money other than acting mm-hmm. was teaching kids shit um so so i went broke and had to sell to- so i had to sell toner you had to get a, you had to get a job i had to get a, a day job like I, I joke i was like i was so broke i, I would have bought a gun but i didn't have the money and like i can't be living check to check like if that yeah. if, that, if it doesn't go well like if i don't rob you if that doesn't go well like i'm broke again yeah. like i spent money on this gun like why you did i do be, that you can't, that's such a brooklyn thing <laughs> Not, not to kill yourself, but to just rob people. I need a gun so I can rob people. Yeah, rob people. If I don't rob anybody that whole week, I'm fucked. That's you know, so I done bought a gun for no reason. Uh, <laughs> I can't eat bullets. I can't eat these bullets. Don't fucking taste tasty. <laughs> um, so I was, and I didn't have a car because I was from New York, mm-hmm. and I failed my driving test like once or twice. Do you have your license now? We'll talk about it. Oh my god. So, so then, so I used to bike. So I used to bike a half hour to work. Keep in mind, this is after I'd done Louis, after I'd been on TV, after college, after the law yeah. and orders, after all of that shit. Um, I'm biking like 6.30 to get to work at 7 to sell toner over the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so at one point, the check bounced. What? My check motherfucking bounced, right? And it gets fixed up, but there's like, I'm one of the top three sellers at this motherfucker. So every once in a while, I just don't show up to work. So yeah. my check had bounced and was getting fixed. And I just said, fuck it, I wasn't showing up. And I was so on my hood shit, I showed up like a week later. And the turnaround was so crazy. There would be a new person if you would go, like, usually you were fired like within a week because mm-hmm. you ain't making enough sales. Like, I was like top three, wow. right? So I just didn't show up because I'm like, you ain't firing me. I go back to work. There's somebody sitting in my chair, which is the chair closest to the door, so I could just leave this fucking hateful, dreadful place. <laughs> 
And uh, there's some dude sitting in the chair. I'm like, yo, that's my chair. <laughs> dude gets up and goes sit somewhere else. I'm just like, <laughs> like I come back from a week off of this bullshit ass fake yeah, job, yeah. and I'm like, don't Fuck sit in me. my chair. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to be here. So they like, get my shit like back. I can't tell you how much I was on television three weeks ago. There <laughs> might be an episode right called "Watching Too Much Television" on right now yeah. from Law and Order. Vincent D'Onofrio. Get out of my chair. <laughs> when Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton had that show, Simple Life, mm-hmm. um, they would basically like be with regular people during an episode, yeah. like be with a farmer or be with whoever. One episode, they were with my fucking boss because my boss and his wife lived in like, I want to say like some like whatever neighborhood, but that's back when you could like fake everything with credit cards and shit like that. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like they were living a high life, but like not paint like checks bouncing at work type shit. Damn. So like. My check bounced again. I was like, and I didn't show up to work. And I just call in because I'm going to whoop Mike's ass. Because <laughs> like, that's the worst thing is when you get, when you're not getting the money of a job that you don't even want to be at. You don't want to be. But you need the money. Mike, you need to. Mike, I'm going to kill you. And so like, so I call up, I call up the place because I want, because I know he knows that I'm going to kill him. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I call up and I'm like, hey, Damas, um, is, is Mike in? He's coming around. Whatever. Okay, great, 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 great. You get a in your bike. bike. A angry bike. <laughs> a half hour, just anger, venom. Go into work and I just sit and wait. And I just sit and wait for Mike. And Mike Mike doesn't show up. Wow. Mike doesn't show up. Um, and he wouldn't show up every day, so it's not. Yeah. Come, but like, I called. You know I was coming in, homie. So I went back. And uh, I get up and leave. And then Dumbass is like, you, you, uh, you coming back to work? I'm like, well, Mike come to work. I'm going to go to work. Oh, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to work. You know. So I go back. I go back. I bike back. There was a Burger King. I probably got like some fries. I probably yeah. got like one. I used to get, this is how broke. Like I would get uh, like a side of fries and like a mini Whopper or some shit like that. That's how broke I was. That was the most I could get. For the day. For the, like that was my, that was it. Mini Whopper and some fries and that was it. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to ball out like that. <laughs> Like I wouldn't get a whole. That's how broke I wasn't getting a yeah. whole. I wasn't getting none number one. Yeah, that was too much. You got side shit. You 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 living the life right mm-hmm. now, okay? You diddy right now, which is shit. So I'm not. So uh, I'm loon. <laughs> With my shit. Wait, wait, and then this is what made me quit the job. Oh, you actually quit the job. This is what made me quit after six months, so I could get my unemployment. Damn, you were there for six. I was there oh. for six months. I was no, there you six. didn't book anything for six months. I did commercials, but it wasn't enough to not be uh, out of like yeah. I I was like I had no money. Yeah, like I had so and I was so behind that like I booked a pilot while I was working there and had to stay working there. So you know I'm pissed about like not getting yeah. my fucking check. Yeah. I'm like please like, and the pilot doesn't go. You yeah. know, um, but but yeah, I remember I'm riding the car. I got a joint in my ear and I'm in the car and it's lunch and I'm with homegirl and and homegirl driving and they're, we're going to the swamp meet. During lunch, we're going to Cotton Swampy, and I'm like, "This is my life now." <laughs> I'm like, "We we we ready? We out here?" And um, and I notice there's no back license plate, but we out here. <laughs> so we're driving, and then a cop car passes by us, yeah. oncoming, and then suddenly turns around. Obviously, duh. I'm like, "Cause we're colored." So I put the joint inside my shit mm-hmm. and my whatever sock or whatever, and then uh, we get pulled over. And then uh, they're talking to the driver, and she's like, "This is this is when you know Uh-oh. shit's about to go Uh-oh. wrong." 
This is when you know. When you're like, getting stopped by the cops is one thing. This is when you know it's about to be a long stop by the cops. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, driver's, and li- uh, driver's license and registration, please. Uh, here you go. This is, uh, you know, this is uh, from my husband. He got it from the auction or whatever. Here's the card from uh, our job. I mean, she doesn't give him a license. Yeah. She doesn't give him registration. And then also hands a business card from our fake business. <laughs> Why are you giving this? It says toner place. Yeah. <laughs> it says, please do not. What are you doing? Yeah. This is not. If you know no other part of the law. Yeah. Know that you can't give him a fake ID. <laughs> yeah. Or like a piece of paper that has nothing to do with what he asked for. Did he run the fucking business card? What I don't know. Do? What he, <laughs> I think he ran the front plate or something. I don't know. Finally, he runs shit. He's like, get out, man. You know? And then she's up there and it's like, Fuck. And then she's like clearly about to get arrested. And then um, he's like, guys, step out. And we both step out and they're like, put your hands behind your back. And I'm like, why? And he's like, put your hands. And they force me, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, put my hands behind my shit. You know, I'm in cuffs. They pat me down like two, three times. He's like, and he's trying to, and I've got the joint in my motherfucking sock. He takes my sneaker in. off, tucked, all that shit. And I'm indignant as fuck. He's like, you know, when a cop tells you to do something, do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, he comes up. He's like, do you know she's like wanted on drug charges or some shit like that? And I'm like, no, I did not. I'm just having lunch. He's like, well, when a cop tells you to do something, do it. All right, then, whatever's. (laughs) Whatever's. It's like, whatever's. I didn't really say that because I didn't want to get shot. But but then they let us go. And I go to make eye contact with her to be like, you stupid motherfucker. But she's like, she's got that like thousand yard stare. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to jail right now again. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Cause I'm sitting there like, why you almost get us like fucking arrested? Oh, like because that? you're so used to it. People who who are criminals that that's their daily function, <laughs> like that's their level of operation. It's true. You're so like, they don't think that always, it's a crime. You're like you're just always about to get arrested. Yeah. Like I can't it's always about to get arrested. I have a friend and he is always getting arrested. Like if we don't hear from him for a couple of days, you be like, oh, he probably got arrested. Yeah. Like I'll be worried, and somebody was like, he'll be out in like a couple of days. Yeah. He'll be it's right. always for like breaking probation. It's so his thing is. <laughs> He's, the tents on his car and we're like just take the fucking tents off <laughs> your car the off take the, the car. wind take the doors off your fucking car nigga just stop getting arrested <laughs> stop getting arrested yeah. please same thing doesn't matter no so I that's when I left and then I returned like one more time and then I was like Ugh. I can't I even because like, it because it, it, it bogs you down six months is a long time to be so in mother, that I, got, I stayed there but see you gotta turn you gotta see the long term shit I stayed there long enough to get my unemployment checks mm-hmm. right so I could have that going and then I also started doing commercials right after that mm. and like really doing that. And I was like, Boom. And that's the last time you were broke. That was the last time. And then I also got a business manager Okay. Um, after that. And like, I ain't been broke since then. Well, cause you, you, you do math. You should know how to balance your checkbook. Look, it's, you ain't made, you just, you lose money, man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you losing money on? At the end of the day, I wasn't really losing money. It's just, I had to take a job that I didn't want to do. Yeah. And you know what I mean? After being on television. And like, that sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, my boy Johnny, who played my partner on Better Off Ted, he like, he was on Boston Commons. Mm-hmm. And then he's vegan. So Boston Commons ended and then he was selling vegan like cupcakes at like a vegan store or whatever. And so people would come in. He'll tell you this story in a heartbeat. People would come in and be like, you're on Boston Commons? That sucked. And he'd be like, yes, would you like a cupcake? <laughs> How would you like your cupcake? Yeah. You know what I mean? I at least was like over the phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have to see nobody and be like, hey, weren't you on that, uh, yep. that, that thing? Yeah. But dude, when you go back to New York, do you take public transportation? Yeah. 
So people see you on the train like, who ain't you? What you? Everyone's, it's, this year has been the biggest difference in like random people recognizing me Mm -hmm. and like me being uncomfortable. Um, But like, normally people like leave you alone. It's, It's when you're in groups, it becomes like a drone thing. It becomes like, like a body snatchers type thing where mm-hmm. it's like if one person recognizes you the other person then, by then association near are like yeah. wait are they famous and they just go yeah, and they're like and then yeah. like, they're like in it so like and I, then the west is like after they want to take a picture and they walk away they're like i don't know who it was i just took it's the, it's the worst it's the worst so it's like i i that's that guy I don't, yeah, it's like so. i don't know like i never like here's the thing about like i get comparisons to dave Chappelle all the time we used to call you that in, he, in college he, here's the great thing this is why i will always be humble because <laughs> someone will be like i love you and i'm like yes half-baked motherfucker man like yeah. you know but like yeah it's been like that's what's been great about like I'm getting attention for things I'm actually doing, but at the same time, I don't really like attention that much. But it's like, interesting. It's interesting because I, um, people, I never, first of all, this is weird. I never assume that people know who I am. And I don't mm-hmm. mean like, cause of comedy. I just mean in life, like in general, <laughs> I don't never assume that if I met you once a year ago, that you would see me a no. year later and be like, Oh yeah. Hey, Chloe. So I always, I'm yes. always introducing I myself. Assume, I'm always, I assume the like, people don't recognize like, me. Oh, I met you at this thing. And they're like, no, I don't remember you. So I yeah. never assume. And on the rare occasion when I do get spotted in the street, um, people come up to me and they're like, hi. And I just just go hi back because I'm thinking maybe this is like a familiarity thing. And they're like, yeah, I saw your show. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, it's not. So then I have to switch it up. But I still want to treat them the same. But I never assume that people are coming up to me because of me being a comic. I know. But it comes to me more now, particularly this year. But I also know I usually like nine out of ten times know what they know me from. Based on a demographic, like black people know me from like peoples and and dear white people. Mm-hmm. White people know me from the first episode of Sunny in Philadelphia, and then like anybody who's like like older white families know me from Timeless. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's that's my demographic. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, but general generally black like I'm black famous, and then Timeless yeah. is making me white famous. But black famous, are you? You're black famous. They know you by name, but they just know you from that dude. They still call you that dude. Oh, that's the dude from so and so. It's a little bit of both. It's a little. It's it's like a, like hey, I'm, a, I'm weirded out when people do know my name, but mm-hmm. like you, you, usually they name the thing. They like they're like you, you was doping with dear white people, but like I don't, I don't. First of all, dear white people was the first time I saw you being like not a nerd, and I was like, yes. oh okay, like, I, know. I thought she was gonna get some buns. I was like, who you gonna fuck in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Am I about to have a sex scene with dear to, white people? That man. Well, that was another one. That was great because so I'd done Peoples with Craig Robinson and Kerry Washington. Um, and then Stephanie Elaine wound up um, producing it. But then she called, she like emailed me during the weekend being like, Are you free this week? I was like, Yeah. She's like this big producer. She's done all types of shit. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I'm freak. Free. She's like, Okay, you're about to get a call. So then Effie Brown calls me that same day. I just happened to be checking my email and all that shit. She calls me and then it's like hey, look, so-and-so can't do the movie. Can you do it? And by the way, this is the same so-and-so who I came in to do his, his Are you TV fucking show? serious? Yeah, like freaking cyclical. So I'll tell you about it after. Yeah. So so-and-so can't do the movie. Can you come in, week's worth of work, like tomorrow, like come do this movie? I'm like, bam. And it's wind up. And I had known about Dear White People because it went viral before it was actually like, yeah. it went so viral people thought it was already made. Yeah. Like people were asking yeah. Justin Simeon, like, where do I go see this? Mm-hmm. He was like, I only made like a two and a half minute like sizzle thing. Mm-hmm. So when they told me, like, we come down to do this, I was like, I, I thought it was made already. Like, I was like, this, y'all still shooting this thing? 
They're like, yeah, we just started shooting. I was like, oh, snap. So I came in, got to be like Mr. Smooth, like do my thing. I very rarely get to do that, you know, and and getting to do it with like a real auteur was great. And I made friends. Tessa Thompson is in there Mm -hmm. and um, was in Thor now. And like everybody's like doing a thing. That's how I met Tyler James Williams and Tiana Paris and all these folks. Um, But yeah, so it wound up being like a really great experience, a really cool role. And, you know, those are the things like that's the thing where you have to like play chess with your career yeah you know what i mean like i very purposefully pick things that are like commercially provocative (laughs) i loved you in american violet american violet Violet was the first i was like that my friend is doing it (laughs) because every time you know when you see somebody enough you're like that's my friend yeah exactly we go way back we go way back and you should see american violet i know it's in like two theaters but my friend is in that movie it's a good movie (laughs) <laughs> that, that movie was fun because I knew I'd kill it, mm-hmm. but I, it was also funny because it was one of those things where I knew friends of mine would be like, oh, I said he was in a movie. He's not really in a movie. Because I don't talk until, oh, until like... the end. But the, the thing, because my thing, I was watching it. I don't remember where I saw it at, but I know I watched it. And I was like, oh, maybe this is just a check for him. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were in it, but you were not I saying was like, anything. I not really talking And then all. the end, you came in, kicking the door, waving a 4-4. And I was like, that's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the movie. He, is, he makes the movie. <laughs> He like is quiet and stuff, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You get excited. <laughs> you get sound effects when you get excited. Yeah. But For me personally, tell me what was it like uh, working on Key and Pill? Key and Pill was great, man. It was. I feel like so. I've measured my. That was an offer. Um, really? Yeah. That, that so was, explain what an offer is. So uh, what happens is you still. I audition. You you have to audition for anything, but every once in a while, if you're fortunate, they'll just. You'll get a call and mm-hmm. they'll be from your agent or manager, or you'll get an email and they'll be like, "Whatever show just wants to give you the part. They don't want you mm-hmm. to audition. You can just do that." Um, and it's usually people you know, or you know, it's in the vein of something where if people are confident enough or their fans, viewers, and so Keen Peel, I feel like at least uh, Keegan, I had seen at audition once mm-hmm. or twice, and I remember him saying he wanted to get me on the show. And that I was busy or something like yeah. that. And I was like, I was? <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, the people speak for you. Yeah, people speak for you. And also, like, it, it's probably true. I mean, they have such a ridiculous schedule. Yeah. I mean, like, I got I got a buddy drunk, does drunk history. And I was go, going to be on there and I couldn't do it because of scheduling. Yeah. And you always think, how is that ever going to happen? Mm-hmm. How are you ever? Because you, you hear it. Like, when you hear somebody saying, oh, my schedule, I can't make it. You'd be like, yeah, right. It's just like when you hear Shaq is out because of a big toe, you'd be like, get the fuck yeah. out of here, big toe. I never, whenever, I will tell you this. Whenever somebody's like, oh, I couldn't do it scheduling I'm like, mm. especially like me i'm not george clooney i'm like he's a, i'm like george clooney i don't even see that business yeah. it seems like he could do it if he wanted mm-hmm. to do it so anyway cut to their very last season yeah um and I it did, was the airplane sketch with the two characters it was the airplane sketch with the crazy and, hair um, and there was like so nice so affable i'm like not surprised at their success mm-hmm. like so funny so intelligent and like grounded individuals and it's got to be great to do a show with a buddy of yours mm-hmm. um, because I didn't feel on any given show, any show, it doesn't matter who the people are for the most part, um, you feel like the kid who just transferred to school. Yes. Like you feel like like you're so, like you're like no don't you remember like I'm a sophomore mm-hmm. like and they're like yeah whatever. Yeah. You know, and I didn't feel that there at all. You know what I mean? I felt like I was one of them and you know, they were like we wanted to have more actors this year because he was like we have comedians but they always want to joke. Um 
and mine, I was a very straight, mm-hmm. I was a straight man. Um, so it was, a, it was like a really great experience because I really wanted a lot of offers you get for d- different types of things. You, you're not getting something, an offer for something of that sort of caliber. Yeah. And so to get that was like a major thing for me. And I felt like I'm, I'm playing with the big boys. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's another moment. Like I never feel like I made it. And I guess like younger me would have definitely saw this version of me and been like, I made it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's moments in my career where I felt like I'm here now. Yeah. And that was definitely a moment of like, like I'm here and I can hold my own. I, it's mm-hmm. not, I, I don't like the, I don't like the mentality of like, I deserve to be here because I feel like everybody's work ethic or life is different. And to say that you deserve can, could be a little like presumptuous, but I feel like when you walk into a room and you know that you're respected by your peers, mm-hmm. I think that's a better feeling than walking in. Cause when you feel it, when you say I deserve to be here, that could just be your own narrative that you're telling yourself. Versus when you walk in and people are like, we're so happy that you yes. are here. It's yeah. a different feeling. I mean, it's a different environment. And just being able to like grow and really create something interesting is like on that level. Mm-hmm. It's like, great. Like that was a moment. Like I have that now. I get to be. And it was like a good surprise. Like at the end of it, they on their final episode, they did like a blooper reel. Yes. The blue. I don't know how you kept. And I'm literally. I'm literally the only guest that's on the blooper reel. Yes. Like it's just them, and then uh, and then that that one scene mm-hmm. from there. Um, it was really easy. I mean, that's the number one question people ask me is how I kept a straight face. Yeah, and I'm always just like that was literally my job. Like I get paid to do that. Yeah. Like if I can't do that, then like I shouldn't be acting. You know, um, but even then they were like, "Man, you're good at that." I was like, "Yeah." I was like, yeah, I can keep a straight face. It's no big mm-hmm. deal. But there's definitely one or two times where, where which they showed mm-hmm. where, because like once I let it out, it's like, yeah, that's gone. it. Gone. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I think on that magazine, I think the other reason they kept that in is because I covered my face with a magazine and it was a doctored magazine. And so instead of Maxim, it said Blacksum. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they also like that, you know. So do you have any advice to any uh, up and coming actors who are, packing up their bags as they listen to this podcast to move to Los Angeles. Um, I hope you have a job already. I hope you're not just moving <laughs> to LA because you're not going to make it. Don't say that. <laughs> Everybody has, I came here with a satchel and a mm-hmm. row of crackers. And, and then I they leave determined. with that satchel and a row of crack. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. I always get asked advice. I actually put out this thing, which was like, that my mom actually resent me. I had um, called everything you need to be uh, an actor, or you can make it even though you're black. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had like little pictures, and it was just like general advice. But the thing about acting is like all the advice I always give doesn't apply. Like all the practical advice I would mm-hmm. give, like certain things like looking at the Ross reports and types of headshots and places to go, like don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, and we're in different places, so it's like probably the best advice is like definitely get schooling. You know, mm-hmm. definitely, you know, New York is better to learn. <laughs> for schooling. L.A. is all like classes. Like New York oh. is conservatory. L.A. is classes. OK. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. like, do a scene from uh, uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, whereas like New York was like you're doing check off and you're doing text work and you're doing that. Yeah, I took one acting class. Yeah. It was and a then lot. you do the Popeye's commercial. It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> I took one acting class and I just wasn't, this is probably, people ask me if I want to go into acting and my answer is no, not at the moment. That's not what I'm focused on, which is true. Mm-hmm. But the, the underlying thing to that is I am not, 
equipped to be that emotionally vulnerable or what I perceive you need to be emotionally vulnerable to be an actor. Like when I took that acting class and class and to like sit across from the person and, and stare them in the face and tell them something about, tell them a compliment about themselves. And you're just like, what the fuck? You couldn't do it. Am I doing like, I just, and they, they she was like, be, be more in the moment. Be just be open, be vulnerable. You know, the whole, like, cause I grew up in a very quiet house. And so when they're like, just yell and you see people yelling and crying and, and like wailing like a baby out the womb. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, it's probably not for you. <laughs> it's probably not for you. I mean, and I did all of that shit. I think I could do it, but I'm just, I'm not at that. It's like going to therapy. Like it's the yes. same well, thing for you me. You know, but you know, that was interesting because I didn't have a thing of being quiet, but I had a thing of like, I went to theater school where a lot of these people had classes before college and I didn't know that was a thing mm -hmm. um, so I was a fish out of water for being black for not having classes like that for being from the hood yeah all of these things so like how that manifested is like we do these exercises where like you're on the floor and you have to close your eyes and be calm and just whatever mm -hmm. and I couldn't do it yeah I couldn't keep my eyes closed in a room full of strangers um, and I couldn't like that that just was never gonna be mm -hmm. a thing for me yeah <laughs> so how did you overcome it i didn't i just <laughs> okay so then i could get through i mean i could become an actor without crying like a baby and i mean there's also people who overdo things do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like there are people where you can go anywhere where you have the thing of like looking in, in somebody and there are people who can't wait to cry like yeah. there's def there's definitely and like they maybe make them a good actor or not but it, it makes you an annoying yeah. classmate my goal my 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 wish list for fame would include me being a high in demand top level however you want to phrase it stand-up comedian okay i would like to would not like to i will eventually write produce and direct are you manifesting right now yes. are you secreting i am manifesting okay i let me do it clearly because the edible is starting to kick in <laughs> okay my goal right i'm manifesting i'm speaking it into existence okay. is to become a top level stand-up comedian got it done i will produce edit direct write create content great and i would like to act if it's people just giving me offers i don't really ever want to audition for anything <laughs> okay all right all right i think that's realistic i mean it's a goal it's a good goal it's a goal <laughs> I can all right. How about if I if someone says Chloe I mean, if wants you are you to a top in, if you are a top level comedian, yeah. I mean, there's no there's look, there's very few people who just don't audition. I will but see, I'll be writing my own stuff, I'll just put myself in. Yeah, it. then you're fine. Yeah, then, then I, you're good. That's good. That's how I will learn. I wanted like to be like who you'll it'll be like Like Issa Ray. Like Issa or Schumer or Yeah. Something like that. That's exactly how I want it right. to be. Organically me. Woody Allen. Yes. Yeah. Right. Spike Lee. Right. Mm-hmm. These are all good people. He's not a comedian, though. No, but he wrote his own shit and put yeah. himself in it. Yeah. He was actually a d pretty decent actor when he was in his early films. Yeah. He wasn't bad. No, he wasn't bad. Mm-mm. He was decent. So let's end this thing. Wrap it up. Um, Malcolm Barrett. Yes. What makes you... A social misfit. Oh, is this how you end every show? Every show. Um, I don't know. I think last 37 years of life. Um, 
I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I think, uh, I don't know. You have an answer. Dig deep. <laughs> dig. The fact that I don't want to deep publicly, dig deep publicly, yeah. is probably what makes me. So a even though you're misfit. an actor, you still have a lot of things that you. Oh, most actors are like um, whatever the word is, like extrovert introverts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're very um, measured in how they are publicly and how they are. So I know because we didn't even talk about like dating and no. Hollywood and none of that stuff. No. We didn't get to none of that juicy gossip. No, stuff. you're not gonna hear any of that. Here. <laughs> it's not gonna hit any of that here i will do a whole thing where i like i i can on tv or movies or theater give a whole thing about my life and and jokes and do all this stuff and then if you talk to me in real life i have no desire yeah. to go into any of that at all yep me too so that's and my, i do this podcast that's my social misfitty stuff that's it that's so it. what you get what you get is what you get that's it <laughs> that's it don't ask me no other shit i don't no. gave enough people I have, I have i have really close friends who are like don't know multiple things about me I'm sure of it. Yeah, I know. So you're welcome, audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being on this episode. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you so much. I'm so proud of you, all the things that thank you have you accomplished. Thank you very much. I'm so glad that we've maintained a Go friendship. back like X-Caps. Way back. I know people listen to the first part like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's, we, just, we didn't talk to each other before we started the podcast because I was no. like, I want to keep it fresh and tight. Like me. <laughs> um... <laughs> So Malcolm, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, there's at Malcolm Barrett uh, on Twitter and uh, Verbal B Rappin with no G, uh, and that's B E uh, on uh, Instagram. I'll be back. Well, I'll be back whenever you listen to this. You're not mm-hmm. gonna listen to it today. I took a three day break. I think sometimes you gotta take a break so you don't oh, pre- crazy. take breaks from social. I'm media. surprised I haven't said something crazy while drunk or. Oh, you definitely shouldn't tweet while you're drunk or high. I have yet to say anything that I completely regret. Don't push yourself. Don't put it out there. Thank thank you for your advice. (laughs) I'm not putting it out there. I'm a rebel, Dottie. Follow him on Twitter. uh, Malcolm Barrett. The edibles definitely You're doing really good right now. Follow him on Twitter, Malcolm Barrett. At Malcolm Barrett. At Malcolm Barrett. And on Instagram at Verbal Be Rampant. I'm going to put everything in the show description. Verbal the Rapper. Support Timeless, which will be debuting in early 2018. Yeah, we start shooting into this year, start showing it next year, and then hopefully I'll still be on Preacher. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good that's a good hope. Yeah, we'll see. I believe in you. Yeah. All right, let's go get some food. Let's do it. Bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs>